My name is Mark Beatty and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease in Childhood. In this podcast, I'm going to highlight some of the content from the September issue of the journal. The first paper relates to breastfeeding and intergenerational social mobility. So we all know that breastfeeding is well known to confirm long-term health and cognitive benefits on the developing child. In this issue, Saka and colleagues investigate the association between breastfeeding and intergenerational social mobility. This is through secondary analysis of 1958 and 1970 British cohorts, both of which contain around 1,700 individuals. The main outcome measure was social class at 33 to 34 years, adjusted for father's social class at age 10 to 11. In summary, breastfed individuals were more likely to be upwardly socially mobile. That's an odds ratio of 1.2 for the 1958 cohort, and less likely to be downwardly mobile, with an odds ratio of 0.81 for the 1958 cohort. The data for the 1970 cohort was similar. In an ordinal regression model, the effect was mediated, at least in part, by neurodevelopmental and emotional stress scores. This is complex. The concept and data are of considerable interest, provide support for the long-term benefits of breastfeeding, and are discussed in detail in the accompanying editorial appropriately titled Breastfeeding, Causal Effects and Inequalities. The next paper I've chosen relates to long-term ventilation. There's been a rapid increase in paediatric long-term ventilation over the last 20 years. In this issue, McDougall and colleagues examined longitudinal trends in a single regional referral unit over 15 years. In that unit, 144 children commenced long-term ventilation with an increase in incidence over time and, over the whole period, a tenfold increase in prevalence. The increase in prevalence was mainly due to a significant increase in the institution of non-invasive ventilation. Five-year survival was 94%, significantly higher for patients on non-invasive ventilation, and 10-year survival was 91%. Some, a relatively small proportion, were able to discontinue respiratory support, 21% after 5 years and 42% after 10 years. 26% of the total cohort transitioned to adult services. Many of these cases were managed in the home setting. So in summary, the paediatric long-term ventilation population has expanded significantly over the last 15 years. And that's relevant to the future planning of paediatric hospital and community services, as well as adult services, which need to take into account the needs of this highly complex patient group. The management and really the challenges of management are discussed in detail in an accompanying editorial by Robert Graham, appropriately titled Long-Term Ventilation, Charting the Pathway Home. The third paper I've chosen relates to educating our adolescents about alcohol. 
and certainly there's no doubt that alcohol consumption in young people is a major public health issue and along with all other professional groups schools have a role in increasing health knowledge and promoting health behaviours that can reduce alcohol related risk. In this issue Hardoff and colleagues report their experience of an additional educational half day to augment existing education programmes. This day was set up with lecture, film scenario based learning and the opportunity to meet a young adult disabled following an alcohol related road traffic accident. The feedback for this day was positive, that's quantitatively and qualitatively. 665 young people participated. Many felt that their knowledge base increased and that the day had made them think further about alcohol related behaviours and would impact on their future behaviour. This sort of initiative is time consuming but clearly has a high degree of engagement and has a high potential benefit if it can influence at least some young people to reflect on and consider the potential impact on their health and behaviour of alcohol use longer term. The next paper I've chosen to cover relates to eosinophilic esophagitis. So it's a condition being seen with increasing frequency, particularly in elder children with atopic disease. It presents with dysphagia, diagnosis is by endoscopy, and treatment complex, not always effective, but includes potentially dietary elimination and topical corticosteroids. In this issue, in an excellent review, John Fell discusses the clinical features, practicalities of diagnosis, and difficulties with management, emphasising the need for better diagnostic techniques and treatment strategies in this increasingly recognised and increasingly common condition. The next article I'd like to mention is Investigating Microcephaly. This is an evidence-based review which looks at the presentation, investigation and management. It's careful and thorough and authoritative and will be a good guide to clinicians who meet this condition commonly and want to investigate it in a timely and appropriate manner. I'm Mark Beattie. Thanks for listening. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.